Hello and welcome to The Road Provides, a travel podcast for the next generation of travelers, adventurers, and vagabonds. Coming to you from Whitefish, Montana, my name is Bradford Clements. I'm joined by my co-host in Denver, Nate Sundemeyer, aka the Chuck Norris of travel. Today we're dishing out our usual hot travel takes. We'll play a stomach-bubbling game of no reservations. And finally, we'll send you on your way with a couple of off-trail destinations for you to consider on your next trip. So, strap in, kids. This thing might go off the rails at any minute. This is The Road Provides. A roundhouse kick right to your ears. Again, welcome back, everybody. We are back in the mix with another episode this week. I've got my Dream Team jersey on, Nate, which means I mean business. I will say you do look good. I'm trying to think you look like a white Dennis Rodman with your with your hair bleached like that. Uh, not as many piercings. I'm wearing the industry standard Nate Sotomayor white t-shirt. Little amateur podcast tip to everybody out there. Do a test recording before every recording you do. We are re-recording this podcast. In a sense, we changed some things up a little bit, but we recorded about four days ago an hour of content and then turn around and listen to it and it sounded like I was in a wind tunnel. And so here here we are again. I'm still ready. I'm still excited about it. If if anything, I feel less prepared. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's yeah. get into it. Um, our first take, you already know if you've listened to it before, uh, we're talking travel takes, unconventional thoughts on anything in the travel realm. Brad, what has got your goat today. My hot take this week is let's unfollow Instagram travel influencers. I'm talking the beautiful people in beautiful places accounts. These guys are basically selling porn as real sex. (laughs) They're bullshit hyper photoshopped images, totally misrepresenting, in my opinion, and manipulating the travel experience for personal gain. And I think most importantly for me, They never really provide any actual context of where they are and what's happening there. And what this does is it perpetuates this like zoo-like style of tourism or, or trophy hunting where Westerners just go around bagging their finds and just, you know, snapping their photos and moving on. Barf. Nate, uh, are you joining my movement? I think you'd be better if you would have actually had like an actual dry heave noise there. I'm (sighs) feeling, um, I'm saying yes and no. What I'm going to say is this, is I applaud anyone who can live abroad basically doing this. Imagine if you had to post a paragraph of copy, which you could literally just take 60 buzzwords, mix them up. Live your dreams, live your truth. Truth happens when you give life a chance. And then put a a filter on a picture in front of you, a beach, and you're making money and you're living in Bali. No, and you're fine. No, 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 no. no. You lost me. You lost me a truth, bro. What? This isn't truth. And you know this. Like all these images that these people post of these places, one, as we've talked about before, water isn't that blue. Two, these it's a blue ass water, yeah. 
Two, these people aren't that good looking. And three, it's just like by the time they're done editing and posting and, and sharing this stuff, it's none of it looks like the places we've been to, you know? We've yeah. been to a, a lot of different spots and seen where these people have taken these photos. And it's just not reality. Things just don't look like that. Here's my thing. Oh my God. I'm, wow, he's I'm, not getting... trying to, I'm not trying to yell into the mic. Dude, they're just selling out. I it get is, like, it is, it they're is. putting in the work. I appreciate it. They're living abroad, like you said, and wherever they want to set up shop. That is awesome. And that is something that I would like I, to do yeah. maybe at some point. The, but I'm not going to do it to sell out because what eventually happens with these people, Nate, and if, well, I guess you don't follow them, so you don't know. But at some point, they flip the switch. At some point, they go, all right, I've shown you, I have all these followers. I've taken mm -hmm. all these photos. And then they start selling you cookbooks or like life coaching or they want to, you know, want Make you to up. buy their merch or, or something like that. Eventually, yeah. they stop traveling or they realize they, they can't do it or they don't have the stomach for it anymore or they can't afford it. So they do that. I think there are ways to do it ethically. Like there's a handful of people who are famous because they do tell good stories and they do take good pictures. I think there's a whole slew of people that are just full of shit, though. Yeah. And it's not you just know, a but, travel. But, but if that if that fucking gets their goat, if they love living in Changu and making the visa run to Thailand every thirty days, because they just have a sick pad on a beach and they get fucked up off acai bowls, then good for them. Do you think? Do you think what this is is that you don't have you don't look good in a swimsuit, Brad? Because if you looked good in a swimsuit, you've got like cool tattoos, you've got that moody pouty fucking look don't, on your face. Don't sometimes. Um, I have actually three pictures I could post. I'm gonna that, that's, that'll be my post for the week for this podcast. Is here's three pictures of Brad looking pouty. Moody, if he had a six track, travel, Brad. you would follow him so you could see him on beaches. I'm just saying, I think. I'm, I'm, hey, what is what is it doing to the travel experience? Like it's ruining. We could talk set, about this all set, day, but set set aside the selling out. Okay, make money, capitalism, BS, whatever. Get yours. Live in a beautiful place, but. We both know that it's steering people and it's taking travel. It's, it's like now, yeah, it's like now if you go to Indonesia or Bali, it's like you got to go to Nusa Lambangan and get that picture overlooking that little cove. And then you then go back to Gili T and you have to have the picture in the swing. And it's driving it's, over tourism yeah. and it's, yeah. You're going to some place and there's a hundred people queued up to get some some dumb photo in front of something. And obviously, like if you don't want to do that, that's not your thing. Then you're not going to be sucked into it. But I see it as kind of eroding and adding this kind of corrosive element to travel and being a travel travel guy that kind yeah. of like gets at me. So that's let's fair. get off this before we could, I, we could talk about I, this all night. Yeah. 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 Before I start getting too mad. All right. So, well, I'll, I'll pivot into my hot take here, yeah, which do uh, I don't think is going to get as hot. Cause I think there's really nothing that gets me. Yeah. I don't know. I could talk about that all night. All right. Here's my hot take. Leave home without any plans. How many times, Brad, do you hear people say, let's go on an adventure often, right? But they're going to the aquarium. They're going to the grocery store. It's nothing really that challenging, right? The word is overused and devoid of its true meaning. So I'm saying ditch the structure. Wake up each morning and say, what am I doing today? I know this might frighten some, but once you're free of the confines of having to be at a certain place at a certain time, you have the world at your fingertips. 
the best moments happen when you're swept up by these little cheeky moments of fate, by the unpredictable. Don't book accommodation until the day of or day before. I, that day before, that's a kind of a soft hot take. It's like kind of warms out my hot take. But point that car north and say, let's see what happens. The mind and body have an incredible ability to adapt. So throw yourself into Brene Brown's ring and see <laughs> what happens. What are your thoughts? So you're saying like travel without an itinerary, like book a yeah. one-way ticket, just I, rock up into yeah. a city without hotel plans or accommodation. I, I'm going to say- see gonna... what. See yeah, what fate's guiding hand brings you. I think it's like the idea that you, even if you are like are going on like a two week trip, you have the bookends. You're like, I'm f- I'm flying into Paris, I'm flying out of Dublin. Let's see what happens, right? And taking each day a day at a time, and you know maybe you're kind of thinking one or two days ahead, but you have the ability to say, you know what, I'm having a great time here. I'm gonna stay. So don't have to be like, cause at the same time, if something really great's happening, how much would it suck to be like, oh, well, sorry, I actually have to pass up on this cause I got to get a train to this other city that I'm not jazzed about. So yes, absolutely. I agree. So I see what you're getting at, right? If, if you don't have an itinerary and you don't have a daily schedule, you're kind of pushing yourself to live in the moment in that regard. I'm with you a hundred percent, but I like to have a plan, not a daily list or anything like that, more like plot points scattered across an itinerary, like little Pokemons (laughs) I've got to like pick up and chase, just something to keep the adventure moving along. I also like to know that I have a a bed (laughs) and a shower upon arrival. The other point that I really agreed with is if you leave these little gaps for inspiration, you don't have to get on that train that you might not really want to get on mm-hmm. to go to a town that you know nothing about. If the town you're already in, you're having an amazing experience and you've met somebody or some new more. thing, yeah, yeah, or some new thing comes on to like, you know, your radar and you're like, ah, but tomorrow. And I've been in those situations and those situations suck because you, you're usually eating like a $200 train ticket or yeah. canceling a plane. Uh, yeah, I, I think here's the big thing that I, I like is if you are supposed to be going to X spot and then some local goes, no, don't go to X. You need to go to Y. Then yes. you can. It's like you can yes. have these pivots. And yep. I think, you know, I don't mind kind of having a general idea. I'm very analytical. I can kind of say, all right, well, I'm probably going to be here in two or three days. But how that looks and how that feels, I just love oh, froth at it. Oh yeah. Get in to, there. To Just... jump back in, to jump back in on your side. I wonder if you've ever experienced this before. You're so used to work and being home or whatever, that when you go and travel, it takes you like two weeks to like, to actually get into like the travel way of life and that energy. So in that sense, I think your advice is really good because if you just go straight throw yourself in there, yeah. no itinerary, you have to really get up to speed and like plug into what you're doing now traveling. And that's something sometimes depends on how long I've been working or what I've been doing before I go on a trip. Sometimes it'll take a good five, six, seven days until I actually feel like I'm on vacation or traveling. You have you, you got to have enough, I have enough nights where you're, you're sinking brews and thinking about where you're at versus what you have to do the next day. It does take a few days for sure. I think you're onto something there. Yeah. All right, cool, man. Well, let's switch it up. 
We're going to transition into our next segment. This segment we've dubbed No Reservations. It's a nod to the travel god, Anthony Bourdain. Man, I think we've referenced him in just about every I, podcast. You know, I'm, I'm thinking, like, I'm starting to get curious. I don't know what's on your mattress that, like, you use as, like, a shit uh, sound dumper, but I'm wondering if there's, like, a weird shrine to Anthony Bourdain on it because I think you're the one who brings it up more, you know? I've been binge watching what is it? What's Parts the Unknown? CNN one, Parts Unknown on HBO Max. Uh, that's that's probably got a lot to do with it too. Uh, but anyway, the game is going to go like this: a host will present a hypothetical eating scenario you will face while traveling. The other host will respond by stating if they have reservations or no reservations to said scenario. Easy enough, I think. So let's get into it. Nate, you're in Eastern Europe. Locals place two shots of vodka and what appears to be goat balls in front of you. Reservations or no reservations? No reservations on the goat testes here, Brad. My ethos of travel? Go and snag a story for tomorrow. Locals want to test you and see how far you're willing to go. The farther you go, the higher they think of you. So saddle up. If they think you're a legend, they're going to treat you like one. Sucking down on some goat balls did that, for, did that for me in Western Azerbaijan for a night. The night ends when you say no. By saying yes to him, you're opening a door to endless possibilities. This night, we ended up drinking vodka with these men until 1 a.m. And due to a legally binding blood oath, I really can't go into much more detail. But let me tell you, it is an absolute story. What this does is endears yourself to the locals by eating this food, by doing this, you're opening a door to greater possibilities. Have you ever been in any of these situations, Brad? Food-wise, no. I usually, where I earn, where I open doors and earn my stripes is at the bar, putting back shots and beers. And You are an absolute weird... weapon with alcohol, <laughs> I will say that. And drinking weird stuff. Food, I'm always, I'm always a little wary about... Because I think there's that other side where they just like get you to eat weird shit to kind of like take a piss, yeah. you know? And I think sometimes you got to play the clown and playing the clown will get you, get you favors, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? But I don't, I don't like to be used <laughs> in that way all the time on the road. But I absolutely agree. As far as like endearing yourself to locals and getting... Getting that experience, man, it's priceless. Completely. Because how else do you get that otherwise? Yeah. I think one of the best nights in Vietnam, in Hoi An, very touristy spot, this guy, we are eating like this localized restaurant. He's like, come back to our restaurant. Gives us like rice, wine, all this food. And we tried everything. We like really, literally, and they put like the menthol in your hands. It's like their version of sniffing salts. We're like, yeah, we're awake. Yeah. And uh, we go upstairs and the guy gives us like the little... It's kind of like an olive that's been soaking in this rice wine. And by this point, I probably had 10 shots. And I was like, yep, I'm eating Eat it. Anything. <laughs> Thank you for your hospitality. I'm eating it. And I ate it and then had to go throw up. But I think they appreciated that I, you know, I, I was willing to do it. If, if a local is opening himself up to invite you to, to partake in his cuisine and his culture, man, that's like, Hell that's, yeah. that's you all you could ask for. Sign me up. I, that's what I want every time I go traveling. And again, you can't create that for yourself yeah. unless you're just an overachieving uh, guy who who 
inserts himself into every situation he sees or finds on the road, which is an interesting way to travel too. But I feel like so much more natural and so much more proper when a local says, hey, hey, young fella or young, young lady, get in here and try some of this. Well, what about like anything that's like a really good story, like the hottest pepper in Peru or something like that, or, you know, a really hot, spicy stuff. You don't, you're not. No, I don't. See, need I feel eat, like I, I don't would, need to I eat would. shit for a good story. No. Yeah, I just I feel like I don't really have many reservations in general. I've lived my life with very few reservations, and that included putting you know really like Mad, Mad Dog three five seven. If you don't know that hot sauce, it's very hot, and put it on my nipples one time, and I don't probably. Bro, if you want to do know. it, like it's it's like those like uh, super hot chicken wings that you can find in certain places around the U.S. Yeah, I'm down for you and any of my friends who want to do that shit for a good story, but I am not trying to be yeah. the the tortured the tortured soul or the spirit on the other end of it. I don't know. I think it's just like my metric is is it going to be a good story? But yeah, we can get into your uh, into the that's, next one here. That's always a great metric. Is it going to be a good story? Yeah. But you could take that in a lot of different directions. <laughs> in a lot of different ways. All right. All right. Throw it on me. What do I yes. got? Yes. Next one for you, Brad. You're in an odd part of Madrid. You walk by a restaurant, no signage. The place looks at least 100 years old, filled with locals, not a gringo in sight, and you can't even read the menu. Reservations or no reservations? No reservations. Absolutely none whatsoever. For me, this is like a treasure hunt on the road. If I were building my own city, I would just have places like this. Maybe you're thinking, oh, it's, you know, what about Yelp? What about TripAdvisor? No, 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 no. The places I'm talking about and that you just described are like an anomaly in the travel matrix. It's this beautiful flaw that that they just rarely pop up on any restaurant uh, aggregators or apps or whatever. And so what they are is they're local institutions, no signs, no advertising. They've been there for generations. People don't need to ratchet up their SEO, you know, and optimize their visibility bullshit. It's, it's places that it's family recipes, rich, traditional meals. I always describe it as like eating in somebody's kitchen that you weren't invited to. Now they're not always going to be a home run. You've, and you've kind of got to develop a nose for them. But for me, it's 100% worth finding them. And I think you should make it a point in every trip to try and find a spot like this. Are you with me? Do you agree? Uh, 100%. I think this is, again, why travel is so addicting in a lot of ways is once you have a few of these experiences, you want to keep coming back. It's that sense of discovery. And I think yeah, what's happening- it's really rewarding, it- right? And I think what's happening with technology and in the information age is it's really taken away a lot of that sense of discovering something new for yourself because everybody's already been there and everybody's already left a review or they've written something about it. But this is some of these places really leave that opportunity for you to have that, right? Because they're not playing the game that everybody else is playing. They don't care about being seen because you know who supports them? Local supports them. Yeah. You know, like I said, they don't need institution. you. Yeah. They're, they will at last you and me both. They've already been here for generations upon generations. We, you've told this story about how your dad left, took yeah. you around on this like yeah. death march through Paris, right? When yeah, you were so, young and, and, and kind of, you know, I, I keep on getting back to, I think about my dad in this situation. I probably was in his forties. I'm not a father, Brad. I don't know if you know that. And I'm pretty sure on probably that. Probably a good I'm, thing. I'm pretty confident. 
uh, that I'm not a father. But when my sister and I were six and seven, my dad said, we're going to go eat dinner and walks us across Paris. We re- we remapped it seven miles with these two starving kids in the middle of summer Bless down, me. like down the river and through these neighborhoods. And he's like, he's looking for this. He's he's looking for exactly this. Yeah. And I was like, look at that shot. Like there, look at that restaurant. Like look at all those people eating. And finally, that's probably what I sounded like when I was six. And, <laughs> and finally, we're getting deeper into these back alleys, you know, like three blocks, four blocks off like the main sub main road. And we find this pizza spot and it was the best pizza I ever had. But it's like, you know, two old guys sitting out there. In my mind, they were playing dominoes. They probably weren't. But, you know, you've crafted this such a beautifully romantic notion that it's just such a little small place. And uh, we went back to find it and it had closed down, unfortunately. Oh, wow. But it, but- I'll like go back and say that was just one of the best pieces of pizza of my life. You revealed one of the indicators. These people, usually there's some <laughs> two dusty old dudes sitting out front. Yeah. You know what I mean? The bartender has, you know, has been through a couple wars. The, the bartender might be like sitting down. No, they're like sitting down having a drink with the patrons and then they'll, like, yeah. they'll get up and serve people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's one of my, the last point on this is, the only knock I have is they move at their own pace, right? Yeah. And that's a that's a polite way of saying that service might suck. They're slow as shit. <laughs> yeah, or at least idea our idea of it as Americans. But these aren't well-oiled machines. This isn't a fucking olive garden. These places are like living organisms, right? I will Again. say that I think someone told me never buy, never go to a place with pictures on the menu. Look for a place where it's in the native menu and like, Yes. Walk around and see what other people are eating. Um, Google Translate, the the thing. My biggest thing that I hope happens eventually is that you're going to be in one of these places and you're like, you know, you're kind of like, don't look at the name of the restaurant. And you realize it's called Olive Garden. You're like in, the, in these little boys <laughs> in Madrid and you're like, wow, these guys bring out a lot of breadsticks. They're really good. And then you're like, oh, my God, it's Olive Garden. There's a place in Santiago, Spain and I'm putting together this guidebook for the north of Spain, and it ends in Santiago. And I, I have a moral dilemma here, whether I include this place in a guidebook or not, because mm-hmm. I don't want anybody to go in there. Yeah. Because it was literally what I we've just explained. Like, the women were like old housewives with like these old... Um, fuck. Like aprons, loose blouses? Yeah. Aprons, aprons that look 30 years, 40 years old. You know what I mean? They legit look like they just walked out of their house in the 1960s and stepped in, you know, yeah, stepped yeah. into 2018 into this place. And it was just, it was so, they had their homemade wine and like, dude, it was, ah, fantastic. All right. Well, you're going to have to give me this spot because nope. I'll, I'll <laughs> take it. I'll take it. <laughs> All right. Maybe on the low. All right. Let's switch it up. Nate, it's back on you here. You are on a eight-hour train ride through India. The train stops. A woman gets on selling samosas out of a basket. She gives you (laughs) the are you interested eyes. Nate, are you jumping in this savory basket of samosas? Reservations or no reservations? I actually have reservations on this one. And I also just love the way you describe it because, yeah, I don't know. You kind of sound like there's a lot implied with the samosa. Um, (laughs) But in this case, uh, yeah, I do have reservations. As a kid, I loved Indiana Jones, specifically The Last Crusade. I love Sean Connery. 
our boy Indy at the, like at the end of that movie had to go through all those like challenges and you know the the gauntlets and one wrong step and a boulder crashes in front of you and arrow shoots out of the sidewall. Mm-hmm. But that's the same thing as the street food. One lapse in judgment and you're pissing out of your ass for two days. <laughs> the, the the easiest way to safely pass through said gauntlet and get to the holy grail, which is delicious street food, yes. is to just eat things that are made in front of you. In this situation, you might be starving. It may be convenient to try to buy something that someone's trying to sell you on a bus or a train, but it's literally Russian roulette with your butthole. <laughs> and no matter where you are in the world, look down the barrel and ask yourself, is this is this safe? Where has where have you been, Samosa? <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'd say just be smart about it because most of the times you're going to say, this leap of faith probably isn't worth it. But I don't know. Is there a time you think there like it is worth it to take a leap of faith? Or do you think there's a time where you would eat that Samosa? I think it's I think it's worth it when you have a soft place to land and that usually means a hotel with air conditioning and a decent shower and a toilet. I I have been in India and gotten food poisoning and then have gone back to a hotel room with no air conditioning, 95 degrees outside and a 2-inch mattress and that's not a fun by myself. And so that's another thing too. Hopefully, if you have a, a friend or something, you can maybe live a little more dangerously, but it's not something you want to gamble with. The other one, too, right, would be like doing something like that and then getting on a plane the next day or like yeah. getting on the train. <laughs> You're like, that's uh, like night night bus, right before the night bus. Don't. Oh, that's my worst nightmare. I've been in that. I've been in that situation where I haven't been able to control it. And it's just a nightmare. And I think. Um, in workshopping this episode, like three months ago, I was like set that I got food poisoning in Mongolia from these dumplings that this sweet waitress gave me. And then I really thought about it and I go, I ate like a fucking little, I don't even, it would be like a samosa almost in like the middle of nowhere that wasn't even, it wasn't even warm. And I was like, Oh, Nate, that's what did it. (laughs) And I didn't have, like, it was just an absolute nightmare for three days. And I have had, from talking to you, I've had a lot more food poisoning than you because yeah. I've just been like, no reservations for Tony. <laughs> <laughs> and that doesn't always pay out well, clearly. No, but. and you don't want to live in fear. You don't want to eat in fear either. No. Would you, ag- isn't street food like one of the best parts of traveling? For sure. Right? I think that, you know, especially if you go to the places that it's, they're cooking, cooking it up right in front of you or like you can hear the sizzle of the skillet. But if it's just, right. you know. Street meat. Sign me up. I'm down for street meat. Any I, day I've of had the horse. Week. I've had horse, but it was great. It was cooked yeah. right in front of me. You know, I'm I'm gonna pass on the horse, but it's such one of the pleasures of of going international. You know what's what's street food in the U.S. Like a fucking uh, hot, dog, <laughs> hot dog, boiled yeah. water, or like a corn dog or a pretzel or something. Nah, bro. Yeah. You know this as well as I do. Southeast Asia even parts of Europe, South America, wherever. Some of the best cooks and best food you'll find is on a street corner. Mm-hmm. So don't, we're not saying like live in fear, but you got to pick your spots wisely. And yeah, yet, you know, definitely. you have a discerning eye with a samosa basket or in your case, uh, where were you? Azerbaijan? Would, uh, where you got the, that that bad street? Oh, th- that thing? was, uh, yeah, that was uh, Western Mongolia. Real Mongolia. hot spot for, for that. If it's in a, you know, something like that, somebody's carrying around, you just don't know when the last time that thing has been in an oven, you know what I mean? In a fryer. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, even if they reheat it in front of you, I, uh, I don't know. I think, 
Well, at the, I, you know, at the same time, I feel like I wish I had some of this advice before I went. I feel like the way I was living where like three or four bullets were in the chamber and they were just wild gastro issues. Oh. And I just was, it was like a subplot of my first time through Asia is, can I, like, what's going to happen today? Can I, <laughs> will I shit my pants? <laughs> but anyways, we'll kick it to you for the last one here. Brad, you're hungover in Bogota, Colombia, and you walk by Kentucky Fried Chicken. Are you and the colonel getting down reservations, no reservations? Absolutely no reservations again. And I'm going to say this loud for the people in the back because people will try to shame you for this on the road. Travelers on the road and friends at home. What this comes down to is comfort food. Every battered traveler reaches a breaking point. It could be a hangover. You could be homesick. You just need a slice of home. So don't be ashamed. If you need a quarter pounder from McDonald's to get you right, fuck it. Do it. Now, I'm not saying whenever you're hungover, go eat American fast food. I actually think the measure of how well you get to know a place might be if you found like a local comfort food or hangover that mm. that gets you right. But in a pinch, do what you got to do. And as a last little note, as a fun addition to this, it is actually kind of a local eating experience is comparing McDonald's or KFCs from yeah. different continents back to mcdonald's or kfc's or whatever at home see like the weird and wild shit that you find in japan mcdonald's as yeah. opposed to an american mcdonald's that's an experience too so for sure you gotta it, like a lot of those are like a lot of those are upscale restaurants in other parts of the world like taco bell is a pretty nice restaurant in central america bro the pizza hut in guatemala was like the nicest pizza hut i've ever been in my life it was like you know three-star dining it had yeah. like Sick views, like white tablecloths. Yeah, it was wild. it's a big deal. I also it was yeah, still Pizza Hut. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't get me wrong. Same, yeah. same great recipe. I think at the same time, you know, I don't like eating KFC when I'm drunk. But besides that, I will say that. Have you ever gone for a McDonald's abroad? Yeah, for sure. I think I think in Thailand, Vietnam, like I, most of Asia, I've been through, and um, I live by one really close to one in New Zealand. So it's kind of like my. Oh yeah, get, guilty. Fuck it, I'll go get some nugs. Nugs are my <laughs> nugs are my big weakness. Dude, so. nug nugs here, bro. At the same time, abroad, you in like some random place in Thailand is not going to have a pizza that meets the standards of what you have at home. No. So don't don't have the expectations. And I think when I was with uh, traveling with the Dutch boys through Vietnam, like every two or three nights we had Western food for dinner, and like after a few times of having like these really trash burgers, or trash burgers or shit pizza pizza, I go. What am I doing? That's a that's a hard pass for me. There's Popeyes in Vietnam. I'm going to hit a Popeyes. I'm not waiting two months to go back home to get Popeyes again. If I'm hungover, that's my go-to. I'm I'm gonna treat myself. Sometimes you need these little comforts from home just to you know settle you back in, and then you go yeah. back out and start eating weird shit or or, or local stuff again. I know this This is a story that uh, is a bit out there, but we were coming off the Pamir Highway, like the Afghan border, and in Tajikistan and Tajikistan, there's a place called McDolan's. And it was a, it like literally took all the branding. There's so much copyright infringement, it's ridiculous. All the branding of McDonald's and made it into like this like, like spinoff restaurant. But you go in there and they microwaved a patty. And I was like, 
I am I'm, I'm getting not getting <laughs> nauseous thinking about it. But it was like it was like a yeah, this is a great experience. Like, talk about like trying a different McDonald's. I go yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna try this like McDonald's. And that's it was not like, a diff- That's not a different McDonald's. We, yeah, that's not. It is like, and we we left that place being like everyone was like in a terrible mood afterwards. Like that was a waste of money. It was a waste of time. Well, and so that's the thing too, where it could be, it's like such a letdown to go back to like eating pizza abroad or eating, you know, yeah. eating pizza in Asia. Or oh, here's a, you want me to flip the mind real quick? Is, uh, is Spain sucks for like Chinese food. And that's mm. such a part of American culture, granted American Chinese food or whatever. Yeah. But when I was studying abroad there, like two or three months in, I was like, man, I just want some like, it's crazy what you miss. You know, like the, the, weird, with, yeah. the withdrawals you have. And so a couple of times I tried to find Chinese food in Spain. It was just awful. And I was like, oh, I just can't do that anymore. And so, and yeah. that was that. And I stopped doing that. You're not going to get it. If only there was a Chinese fast food version of whatever that existence would be in Spain. Maybe, maybe I could have gotten a right. worldwide chain. We could go start one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had a good time with that one, Brad. Let's move on to our final segment Listeners, just like Brad's secret Midnight in Paris looking ass restaurant, we're going to be taking you off trail to some places that might not be on your radar. It's our off trail destinations. Brad, what is your off trail destination for tonight? Nate, tonight, this week, this episode, we are flying south for the winter and hitting the Uruguayan coast. The Uruguayan coast is what I imagined Costa Rica was 30 years ago. Undeveloped, rugged, beautiful coastline. Picture surf shacks, traveling musicians, bohemian spirits. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's pretty common in the summer to see 20-somethings hitchhiking their way up and down the coast, which I think is rad. For this trip, I want to present three unique places which... I hope strikes a balance for all types of travelers. And I'm going to start with a place called Punta del Diablo. I I discovered I could run this- through a brick wall with that name. <laughs> I, I was in a hotel or hostel in Panama telling this guy that I was going to 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 Uruguay and Argentina and he just stopped me in my tracks and he was like Punta del Diablo. Uruguay. When someone looks at you in the eye like that, you have to listen. Yeah. And so I basically put it in my phone immediately. And, and here we are. Punta del Diablo. It's the farthest north of these three choices. This is the lazy bohemian beach party, surf, fresh seafood, live music destination. What more do you want, Nate? What Not more? Do you, I got it. Not much. Punta, Punta del Diablo. Got it. I could spend a month here. You could fall in love here. You could become an alcoholic here. It's rugged in the sense that there was only one ATM when I was there. But it had vacation homes, Airbnb, there's Wi-Fi, there's surf schools. There's enough to do to support a comfortable and fun couple days. The next option I have is more uncomfortable, more rustic, and truly adventurous. And this is Cabo Polonio. And it's south of Punta del Diablo. This is a beach village that is completely off the grid. No running water, no major source of electricity. You are like legit out there in the middle of sand dunes and a natural national park. Talk about unplugging. This is the place to do it because there's no place to unplug to begin with. 
not not a ton of services if you're listening if you're picking up what i'm putting down so just keep that in mind you're here to get away from the world personally i'd be hard pressed to stay more than like a day or two here i'm a creature of modern comforts but it's a truly unique option one that you can add into this trip super easy and it's a place you know it, it that might not be there that much longer or be what it is it's going to continue to develop yeah yeah for as long as it is finally the opposite of roughing it my last option might actually be your first and only choice for the uruguayan coast and this is punta del este punta del este has been dubbed by some as the hamptons of south america or even the monaco of south america think towering condos award-winning restaurants yachts yachts the yacht game is strong casinos nightlife the population grows by 400% in the summer as Uruguayans and neighboring Argentinians flood this beach getaway. A little wrinkle to this option is a more relaxed but still very cultured and hip neighborhood. It's called Jose Ignacio. It's about 40 minutes outside of the heart of, of Punta del Este in this condo casino madness. So put that on the radar too. I think if you took two out of the three options, you could have a special and diverse trip. And when it comes down to it, as far as off-trail destinations goes, I don't think many Americans or Europeans really have Uruguay on their radar. I certainly didn't see a ton of North Americans or Europeans there. Couple quick hits. The barrier to entry is time, and and I'm gonna be real honest with you guys. It's a it's a hike to get down there. It's about 11 hours of flying time from New York, so look to make this maybe a 10 day vacation. As far as prices and stuff are concerned, two thirds of the hotels and sleeping accommodations I saw down there were under $200 a night, which is really reasonable. And Uruguay, as a rule, is pretty pretty accommodating in that in that respect. Lastly, I think to kind of give you an idea of what kind of country Uruguay is, there are more cows per capita in Uruguay than there is in anywhere else in the world. And so I think- I love you stats like that. <laughs> you're a big data stat guy, Nate. That was for you, baby. And I think when you consider that in the bigger spectrum, consider countries and or even states in the US that are more pastoral, people that raise animal or do a lot of farming, they tend to be pretty modest people uh, and proud. So that that for me is, uh, is a really endearing part of their culture. And it's quite a contrast when you compare them to Brazil, who brackets them to the north, and then Argentina in the in the south. So that's it, Nate. That's what I got this week. Dude, I am Uruguay. I, so I, I just want to let you know, Uruguay has been on my radar for a while. Also, Chad has been to, uh, Chad, my roommate, I just for everyone knows, Chad and Brad are my two friends. You really don't choose your friends' names, do you? It's their parents. Uh, but I, he's been to Punta del Este, and he's had a great time. And also, the whole, the whole country is the first country to legalize weed. So it's a pretty progressive country, and I think it's kind of also just kind of frames what, uh, you know, maybe it's like, like a South American Colorado with a beach. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Uruguay, you could use that as a tagline. Sold. Also, you talked about unplugging in, is it uh, Cabo Polonio? Is that right? Cabo Polonio, yeah. First of all, it's called Cabo, so that's exciting. <laughs> Second of all, someone told me right before I like, left for my like year and a half abroad, like they like looked at me in the eye and they go, what are you running away from? And I'm like, what? I'm not running away from anything. But if I was, that sounds like a good place to go. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. It's... um. Uh, personally, I only spent about a week there. I could have spent a lot more time and, and it begs to be explored a lot more. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, I've got there. I didn't tell people when to go. 
I, I have this problem where I, I just assume everybody, tra you know, travels or kind of has these things in mind, but being in the summer, Southern hemisphere, obviously the seasons are opposite. So you want to go to Uruguay sometime from November to March. I was on like the back end of March, early April. So Start it was out of season. Down. Yeah. Yeah. And things were kind of shutting down and, and the energy and the the environment wasn't nearly as 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 alive so i kind of kept it moving but i would love to go back there in season and kind of see what this place what peak uruguay is like it kind of sounds like me at the end of a podcast <laughs> yeah yeah starting yeah. to board up yeah uh, nate's on shoulder season brad's much more of a night owl than i am and you know yeah. that's the way this goes but i will move in with energy and fervor jump in the, there let's get wet punta del diablo to my off-trail destination, and I'm talking about Italy. Who would have thought I would start my off-trail destination by saying Italy? Because I Italy. think, uh, I don't know how to say this, everyone's heard of it? Never heard of it. Oh, well, you're lucky. We'll listen in then. It is one of the biggest travel destinations in the mouth there, right? But I think, yes. you know, there really is a lot of places that people just go. Rome, Florence, Naples, Pisa, the Alfami Code. What's it called? <laughs> I always fuck that up. We've done this like three times. Alfami Coast? Amalfi. Okay. Gee. Amalfi and uh, yeah. Cinque, Cinque Terre is another place that people go. Like coastal, you yeah, know, yeah. Coastal the heavy little, hitters. Exactly. Yeah. Your Tuscanies, uh, if you will. Yeah. No but doubt. I want to get away from that. I don't want to see another girl post another Instagram of I domo how I got up these flight of stairs. If I see that one more time, I will bash my head in. So I'm taking you to a different part of Italy. It's Northwest Italy. And I'm going to give you three spots that I'm going to call the zone. I'm going to start at the West Lake Garda. We're going to move to Verona and then we're going to pop up and finish off at the Dolomites or Dolomiti as they call it in Italy. Lake Garda is a massive freshwater lake in the middle of Northern Italy. And Right in the south, there's a little town on the water. It's actually a town. It's a castle on the fucking water called Sermione. I'm, I'm going to really butcher you've, a lot of these names. You've like been that. working on your pronunciation. Sermione. Yeah. And the place is you can go swimming. There's the beautiful castle. The gelato is absolutely lights out. But right around there, uh, the, the, whole, the whole region is a lot cheaper than a lot of other waterfront properties in Italy and other parts of Europe. It's a really beautiful place. It's on the mountains. In between that and Verona is wine country. And so we were driving back after a day trip and we pulled over and we're like, hey, where can we go? And I'm not going to say the name because I'm going to butcher it, but I will put it on the Instagram. So look out for the name of this winery because it was just the best. Uh, so we get there and Giovanni, um, <laughs> Giovanni took us on a four hour tour and gave us like the best experience. I want to have people go to his place because he deserves all the business in the world. He... Oh is a fucking masterful uh, winemaker, and I had some of the best wine in my life. But he, I go, Giovanni, where do we eat dinner? And he goes, go back into Verona and go see my boy Leonardo. We roll up, like right when the restaurant opens at like eight, and it's a Michelin star restaurant, and I had the best pasta in my life. 22 euros, I'll also put the name of this on the Instagram, 22 euros, and it got you a five-course pasta dish, and every one of them hit you with a different flavor. It was like having Mike Tyson... And four other really famous boxers <laughs> hit you in the mouth with a different flavor, a different style of punch, and it was unbelievable. And I mean, again, we walked out of there for like 30 euros each with wine. Verona, the city, 
is an incredible uh, alternative to Venice. It doesn't have the canals like Venice. Venice is worth seeing it, but Venice is such a hot spot for tourism. Verona has the same beautiful old architecture without any of the tourists. Like the town square is surrounded by, it's like Rome, where Romeo and Juliet was based, and it is surrounded by all these beautiful places, but you also have Italians still like, you know, drinking and eating on the town square, which I think is a really good mark because you're not going to get that in St. Marcus Square. So, but but at the end of the day, Verona, my friend Chad and his uh, girlfriend at the time were walking through there and she leans over and goes, this is the kind of city where you fall in love. And I think that's how I'm going to leave Verona. Lastly, I want to go up north to the Dolomites. Uh, It's an amazing alternative to the uh, the Swiss Alps, and it is absolutely stunning. They're skiing in the winter. They hosted the Olympics in 1956, so there's a bit of history. It's kind of laced in there. But either way, it is limestone cliffs coming out of these like beautiful, lush green valleys. The driving through there is just absolutely stunning. It just really took my breath away. I wanted to spend more time there. Some quick hits. My suggestion is rent a car. Car rentals, 125 for 10 days out of Verona, 225 if you get an automatic. But, you know, if you're going to be on the road like I've been describing, might as well learn to drive stick in northern Italy. How about that for a fucking experience? <laughs> I would say the time to go is shoulder season. I know we talk about shoulder season around your March, April. Dolomites will get a bit cold, but overall stunning. I can't say enough that you get a lot of the same things you'd get in other parts of Italy, but without the tourists and, and kind of like this really special localized feel. So that is my hot spot. What are your thoughts? I have a, well, I have an, a question and then an observation. The question is how, like what kind of timeline is doable to do something like this to, yeah, you know, I think, I think a week to, to 10 days would be awesome. And I think you can put it on. I mean, I could go on about that region, like Slovenia and Croatia are also an amazing destination. And I think you can make that into like a good, pretty good 10 day, two week trip. That region is close to the borders of Slovenia and Croatia. And so you can kind of jump in and jump out. And as yeah, part and of like the, Northwest Slovenia yeah. is, is amazing. Um, bled is like, you can look that up as well. It's like a fairy tale and you know me. I love fairy love tales. Love a good fairy tale. If I'm not potting with Brad, I'm watching Disney Plus. I'm getting my Disney fix with the princesses. <laughs> and then I think the last thing here I wanted to to kind of just point out for listeners is when it comes to renting a car in Europe, in a place like Italy, I've driven a car in Italy, uh, in Rome of all places. That's um, high octane. That's high yeah, octane stuff. Which isn't. Isn't that easy? But when you're in a place like Nate is describing, it's so manageable and it provides so much more freedom and opportunity to really, you know, see so much more. And and like you were describing your experience with Giovanni, you know, to 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 hit out to a winery and, and come back all on your own time on your own dime and kind of make make your trip special and unique. It's it's not daunting and it's pretty cheap. Yeah, compared, I would say, I would say comparatively, like I, you know, Airbnbs were, you know, you can get a room for forty, sixty dollars a night. We were in a group of four and five, and we were paying like twenty to thirty-five a night um, each. So uh, it's pretty doable, and I think you know you're not going to have like any of those high, high-end premiums that you would in uh, Venice or Rome. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I could, I don't know. I want to go back and just rip every one of those mountain passes. I found speaking of Instagram accounts, I have all this account that's like Insta Roads, and I shit you not, half the roads they post are like right in there it's really dolomiti sick yeah i did the i did the alps in um in austria and germany and man right as like the leaves were turning Ooh, bro either either way did you go to neuschwanstein and like yeah so i was bouncing i bounced down through there and then around castle guy over here castle (laughs) princesses over here 
let's get real professional in the podcasting here is go back to your hot take, right? Don't have a plan. You got a car. Just fuck it. Rip across to That's what I'm saying. To play Point to Croatia. Exactly. To Croatia. Yeah. Right? And and just make that happen. So yeah. Anyway, well, oh, we just turned into a professional podcast. I know. Right? If you if you have a full circle, then we can like tie it up. We basically just tie that thing up in a bow. So yeah. I feel good about it. Have some of that. Listeners, yeah. thanks everybody for, for tuning in again. At this point now, by the time you're hearing this one, we'll be locked and loaded on every podcast platform. Thank you for listening. Hopefully you subscribed and liked. From what Nate tells me, that's supposed to really help. Five-star uh, review. Five-star review some would cheeky be cheeky comments. You could say something like, Brad has shit chat, but Nate sounds very <laughs> handsome. Five stars. <laughs> Yeah, and straight up, if you guys have any any comments, I'd love to hear them. Nobody's giving me any any feedback. I think they're too afraid to hurt my feelings. But Are you talking if, about me? <laughs> I'm talking about you, Andy, my boy, my other boy, Brad. Um, yeah. Anyways, if you guys want to hear about anything or you like anything or anything that we're missing, please let us know. We truly both just want to like get better and hopefully provide that hot fire content that you're yeah. that you're looking for. Um, a podcast with bleached hair. <laughs> and and that's about it. You should already know the socials are the road provides pod on Instagram. You can find me at one man caravan, Nate at Big End Sunday Sunday. I think that'll do it. Yeah. I Nate, really wanna... appreciate people listening to this. I have a hard time I feel like awkward about promoting the podcast. It's like, oh man, I'm asking people to listen to me. But I uh, really appreciate it if you've uh, if you're listening now. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. We'll uh, see you soon. Yep, let's keep it up. We got a couple more of these left for you here in season one. So, thanks, guys. This is another episode. This has been the road provides. <laughs> <laughs>